It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 46 degrees in Central Park. Got some emergency road work on the New Jersey Turnpike. We'll get the details in traffic shortly. First, Michael Bars here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A New York City task force has removed almost 240 homeless encampments over the past two weeks. It's part of Mayor Eric Adams' strategy to clean up public spaces and connect people living on the streets with housing and social services. As the mayor of all of us, including my homeless brothers and sisters, I'm not leaving any New Yorkers behind. We're moving together. And that is the goal of what we must accomplish. I'm not abandoning anyone. I'm not believing that dignity is living in a cardboard without a shower, without a toilet, living in terrible living conditions. Mayor Adams says more than 300 homeless people have accepted social services. New York City COVID-19 cases are rising again, particularly among people 25 to 34 years old. The surge appears to be concentrated in Manhattan, the most vaccinated borough. The New York City Department of Health posted a warning on Twitter saying they strongly recommend New Yorkers mask up indoors and get booster shots. A deadly strain of bird flu that's been raising egg prices ahead of Easter has been discovered in five new U.S. states. According to the Department of Agriculture, the virus increasingly is threatening American poultry exports. The influenza was discovered in Massachusetts, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, and Wyoming. Chris Rock says he is still processing the Will Smith slap at the Oscars. Rock played before a sold-out show in Boston last night. The 57-year-old comedian got a long-standing ovation from the crowd. Meanwhile, the Motion Picture Academy is now revealing that Smith was asked to leave the Oscars after he slapped Rock, but he refused. The Academy says it has begun disciplinary proceedings against Smith, which could include expulsion. Actor Bruce Willis is stepping away from his acting career. His family says he has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. Dr. Jagan Pillai is a cognitive neurologist at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health. There is a change in the language function of a person. Because of an underlying change happening in the language part of the brain, Dr. Belai told ABC aphasia can be caused by an injury, stroke, or degenerative disease. 
Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Tough news for Bruce Willis. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. It has obviously been a much better season for the Rangers than it has been for the Knicks. They'll be playoff hockey at the Garden. Almost certainly not playoff hoops last night. Rangers won. Knicks lost. Their season-high four-game win streak came to an end. Charlotte won 125-114. Miles Bridges scored 31 points. LaMelo Ball had 20 and 15 assists. Evan Fournier led the Knicks with 30. As for the Rangers... Back and forth game in Detroit. Men have to go on the power play. Kreider slings the shot. They score. Is it Kreider or Cop at the doorstep? Kreider took the shot. It's a power play goal. We're tied at four. Miller on the ice. Cop. Panarin. Far circle. Panarin. He's got Cop. Gets it to Cop. Shoots and scores. Andrew Cop in overtime. And the Rangers win 5-4. WPN had it. A tying goal was by Chris Kreider. That's his 46. It's the Rangers' fourth straight win. Some coaching news, first from Seton Hall, where Kevin Willard recently left to take over at Maryland. Shaheen Holloway had been Willard's top assistant, first at Iona, then for eight years at Seton Hall, where Holloway was once a star point guard. So he might have gotten this job even if he hadn't just coached St. Peter's to arguably the greatest Cinderella run in NCAA tournament history. No surprise, Holloway leaving the Peacocks, staying in New Jersey to coach the Pirates. But a big surprise last night out of Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians stepped down. He's going to assist Bucks GM Jason Light. Todd Bowles, who was the defense coordinator before that, the head coach of the Jets, takes over the 69-year-old Arians, has had health issues but insisted that was not the reason for this move. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures up four points. Dow futures down six. NASDAQ futures higher by 57 points. NYMEX crude down 5.3% to $102.12 a barrel on word. The Biden administration could be thinking of a massive release from the Strategic Reserve. We'll talk about the war next with Julie Norman of UCL. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, cloudy, breezy today. Some afternoon showers possible with a high near 70, turning partly sunny and breezy tomorrow. Upper 50s will be in the low 50s under a mix of sun and clouds on Saturday. Right now, 46 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And energy stocks are dropping with oil prices as investors weigh reports that the Biden administration is considering a massive release of crude from U.S. reserves to fight inflation. Stocks in Europe are set for the first quarterly decline since 2020. U.S. stock index futures are pairing in advance, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up six points right now. Dow futures little changed. NASDAQ futures up 68. The DAX in Germany is little changed as well. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 2.33%. They yield on the two-year, 2.29%. NYMEX crude oil is down 5.6% on $6.08 at $101.70 a barrel. COMEX gold down 6 tenths percent or $12 at 19.26.80 an ounce. The euro, 1.1119 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3127. The yen's at 122.03. And Bitcoin this morning lower, down 2 tenths percent at $47,170. 
That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Ukraine's president says his country's defense against the Russian invasion is at a turning point. Volodymyr Zelensky again pressed the United States for more help hours after the Kremlin's forces reneged on a pledge to scale back some of their operations. Meanwhile, a Ukrainian negotiator says officials from Ukraine and Russia are set to resume talks via video conference tomorrow. As the regular NBA season winds down, the Knicks, Celtics, and Warriors lost. The Wizards won. Coach Shaheen Holloway is leaving St. Peter's for Seton Hall just days after helping the little Jesuit school make history by becoming the first 15th seed to reach the NCAA tournament's Elite Eight. In the NHL, the Rangers beat the Red Wings in OT 5-4. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. And this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Yeah, you'd think that coach would be in high demand now. Thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Julie Norman is with us this morning, co-director of the Center on U.S. Politics at University College London, as we continue following the latest on the war in Ukraine. Professor, good morning. As we heard from Michael Barr in the news uh, talks, could resume tomorrow between Ukrainian and Russian negotiators. Is there any reason to think that the discussions would make any more headway than what we saw in Turkey earlier this week? Well, good morning, Nathan. Uh, one of the challenges right now is what we're hearing out of the negotiations and then what we're hearing from the Kremlin and seeing on the battlefield tend to be quite different. So on the one hand, there was some apparent progress made earlier this week at the meetings in Turkey uh, with very frank discussions about Ukraine's potential uh, neutral status moving forward with potential security guarantees from other states uh, and talking about more of a focus on what the territories in the east will look like in the future. So so I think that's still where the crux of the negotiations will ultimately end up. But unfortunately, what we're not seeing is a ceasefire or withdrawal of troops that would actually allow for those more substantive uh, uh, negotiations to happen. And indeed, Russia's claims that they would be drawing down some of their offenses uh, near Kiev and elsewhere uh, have not borne out in practice. We're still seeing uh, we're still seeing offenses in those areas as well as in the east. So until things actually change on the ground, it's going to be difficult for the real substantive measures to move forward at the table in the negotiations. Yeah, that's certainly what we're hearing from officials on the ground in Ukraine, as well as from the Pentagon. They're uh, terming the Russian claims of de-escalation as more like a repositioning. What does that say about where this war could go from here? Well, I think it's clear that the war will likely go on for for quite a bit longer, unfortunately. Uh, but it's it's also most likely that Russia will start emphasizing their operations in the east much more strongly. I think it's pretty clear uh, now, and definitely from the start, even of the the invasion, that Putin is really trying to control the Donbas region, um, Donetsk and Luhansk, those areas that already had large separatist regions within them, trying to expand those, trying to build a land bridge to Crimea. So, in terms of territory and where I think we'll see the offenses focus. I do think we'll see that shift to the east. But again, I think we'll still see that pressure in other parts of the country as well. Um, all we can hope is that these negotiations, which have been you know, extremely sluggish, but are like some extremely baby steps of progress, will just keep chipping away at the meantime to a point that Zelensky and Putin can actually meet and, uh, and try and work out what this might look like. 
It's also been very interesting to hear the Biden administration sharing intelligence in the way it has even before the war began, telegraphing that Russia would be invading within days. And now the White House saying that they have intelligence that Russian President Vladimir Putin is being misinformed by his military about how the war is going. What is the advantage for the U.S. and allies to share intelligence in this way? Yeah, well, it's an interesting approach, Nathan, and it's one that the U.S. started, as you noted, before the invasion, essentially to try and get out ahead of Putin's own misinformation. So again, uh, at that time, they were worried that Putin would uh, kind of orchestrate a false flag incident, that he would, uh, you know, accuse uh, NATO or Ukraine of, you know, using chemical weapons or doing something like this. So they're trying to get out ahead of some of the disinformation they thought might be coming from the Kremlin. This latest kind of reporting now, I think, is again just trying to to keep the pressure on Russia and on Putin in particular. Um, this intelligence from yesterday suggesting that uh, Putin is not getting the full picture from his military commanders is, uh, you know, I think something that obviously we're, we're watching the intelligence, but also most of us watched that press conference before the invasion started where uh, Putin's advisors had to get up and pretty much tell him exactly what he wanted to hear. So I don't think that's super surprising that some of his uh, advisors are still probably under that kind of pressure. And in our last minute here, Professor, we're expecting President Biden to announce this massive release of oil from the Strategic Reserve, something like a million barrels a day. Is that a sign that the war is starting to take a pinch on this country now? Well, I think we've certainly seen the pinch, Nathan. Uh, you know, crude is up 70% from this time last year. Uh, gas is at, you know, 424 for an average of Americans right now. So I think we're seeing that pinch. Biden's been under pressure from both parties to, uh, to, to use the strategic petroleum reserve. It's interesting. They did release about 50 million barrels from the reserve back in November. Uh, that helped momentarily, but prices obviously went up again. What they're talking about now is releasing 1 million barrels per day over several months. So trying to have it be more of a slow release uh, to help with prices. So it could help in the short term, but in the long term, it will depend a lot on U.S. demand and also how other countries play this. If uh, other members of the internal International Energy Agency like Japan, France, Germany do the same and also what OPEC Plus chooses to do at their meeting tomorrow. As always, thanks for joining us. Julie Norman, co-director of the Center on U.S. Politics at University College London. Stay with us. We're going to get much more on the White House oil release plans and stocks get ready to close out their worst quarter in two years as we check your top stories of the morning on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, cloudy, breezy, some afternoon showers possible with a high near 70 today. It'll turn partly sunny and breezy tomorrow with highs in the upper 50s. Low 50s, mix of sun and clouds Saturday. Right now, 47 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Ukraine says ceasefire talks with Russia could resume tomorrow. This would follow negotiations that led to no ceasefire, but did have Russia saying it would de-escalate. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says it's less a de-escalation and more like a repositioning. Some of those troops... We assess 
uh, a repositioning into Belarus. Uh, we don't have an exact number for you, uh, but that's our early assessments. Uh, none of them, we have seen none of them repositioned to their home garrison. And Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says the southern city of Mariupol is still taking heavy fire. In the meantime, Karen, it looks like Vladimir Putin may not be getting accurate information on the war. Here's White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield. We believe that Putin is being misinformed by his advisors about how badly the Russian military is performing and how the Russian economy is being crippled by sanctions because his senior advisors are too afraid to tell him the truth. Kate Bedingfield at the White House did not specify how the U.S. got its intelligence on Putin. Well, Nathan, energy prices have climbed sharply since the start of the war. Now the Biden administration is weighing a massive release of oil from U.S. reserves. And we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Bloomberg sources say the White House is considering releasing about a million barrels of oil a day from U.S. reserves for several months. The total release could be as much as 180 million barrels. And along with the plan comes a diplomatic push for the IEA to coordinate a global release by other countries. A final decision on that has not been reached yet, but Bloomberg sources say the White House may make an announcement on the U.S. release as soon as today. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thanks for checking all right now. NYMEX crude's down 5.5% at $101.89 a barrel. Brent is at 107.68. That drop is helping lift stock futures, but global equities are still on track for their worst quarter in two years. Aaron Kennan is CEO at Clear Harbor Asset Management. You know, I think we're heading into uh, stormier weather over the next several weeks and perhaps months, and uh, I think investors ought to be prepared for that. Aaron Cannon at Clear Harbor sees higher interest rates as a major headwind for stocks. And in corporate news this morning, Nathan, we have word of a data breach at Apple and Facebook. Bloomberg News has learned that Apple and Meta platforms provided customer data to hackers who posed as law enforcement officials. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. We're at 46 degrees in Central Park. Off to a quiet start on the roads. Hope I didn't jinx it. We'll find out from Peter Van in a few minutes. First, Michael Bars here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City has dismantled more than 200 encampments for homeless people. Mayor Eric Adams says the task force over the past two weeks is trying to clean up public spaces and connect people living on the streets with housing and social services. This city is now engaged in a multi-agency mission with compassion and caring, taking our time, not rushing through this, but being compassionate to people who are experiencing terrible circumstances that they're living through. Mayor Adams says anyone removed from the encampments was offered a voucher to pick up their items at another location. Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, is expected to speak today with the committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Bird flu is spreading in the U.S. According to the Department of Agriculture, the deadly strain was discovered in five more states. The states involved include Massachusetts, North Dakota, North Carolina, Ohio, and Wyoming. Since mid-January, it's been found in 23 states. The Motion Picture Academy has initiated disciplinary action against Will Smith for slapping Chris Rock on stage at the Oscars. Smith could be expelled. Meanwhile, Rock says he is still processing what happened last Sunday. 
The comedian performed before a sold-out crowd last night in Boston. The family of movie star Bruce Willis announced that he will be stepping away from his acting career after he was diagnosed with aphasia. The condition is impacting his speech and cognitive abilities. Dr. Jagan Pillai is a cognitive neurologist at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health. Diagnosis of aphasia is pretty broad in the sense that it basically says some a person has changes in their language function because of changes going on in the brain. Dr. Pillai told ABC aphasia can be caused by an injury or degenerative disease. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Michael, thank you. on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Nathan, what a difference a year makes. A year ago, the Knicks finished fourth in the East. This season couldn't crack the top ten to get into the play-in after a 125-114 home loss to Charlotte that ended their season-high four-game winning streak. Knicks could be mathematically out as early as tonight. Their coach Tom Thibodeau last night channeled Yogi Berra. Just keep concentrating on what we're doing. You know, get better. And then you're not eliminated until you're eliminated. And then when you are... You know, you assess what you want to get done. Rangers are getting ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs. They won their fourth in a row. Tight game in Detroit. It was tied at one, two, three. And then after a Chris Kreider power play goal with less than four minutes to go, Kreider's 46th goal of the season. The game was tied at four. The Rangers won 5-4 on an Andrew Kopp goal, minute and a half into overtime. The only way the U.S. men's national soccer team was not going to qualify for the World Cup was if they'd lost in Costa Rica by six goals. They lost, but only 2 nothing. So... U.S. heading to Qatar in November. The U.S. failed to qualify for the World Cup four years ago. Amazing to think that in the historically long career of Tom Brady, he's only played for two coaches. He's now getting the third. Surprise move out of Tampa Bay. 69-year-old Bruce Arians stepping down. He'll stay with the Bucks, but work in the front office. He'll be replaced by defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, the former head coach of the Jets. So 10 NFL teams will have a new coach next season. To the surprise of no one, Seton Hall named Shaheen Holloway its new coach, former star point guard, former Seton Hall assistant. And down the road at St. Peter's, Holloway just coached the Peacocks to the NCAA Elite Eight. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Blocks of empty offices in the financial district helped push the supply of available space in Manhattan to another record high. The office availability rate in New York hit 19% in the first quarter, the highest in data going back to 2000, according to a report this week by Seville's Research. State lawmakers are weighing whether to fast-track a move to allow three new casinos in the New York City area as part of this year's budget negotiations. The Times reports seven gambling companies are spending about 300 bucks a month on a lobbying blitz to push the state to fast-track the timetable for New York's final three casino licenses. Bird Global says it's received approval to double the size of its shared e-scooter fleet in New York City. It says daily average ridership of e-scooters in New York has increased by about 70% in March compared to February. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. 
I'm Steve Potisk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about the growing number of companies jumping onto the subscription bandwagon. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. American businesses just had its most profitable year since 1950. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for Wham 1180 in Rochester, New York, I'm reporting that paychecks shares rang up gains after delivering a forecast that impressed analysts. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the UK economy growing 1.3% in the fourth quarter. Britain is now in the middle of the G7 countries for economic performance. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting hundreds of workers at a Kellogg's plant that makes Cheez-Its. Will be getting a raise? Mm, those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Headlines about Russia's use of hypersonic missiles in Ukraine have fueled fears that the U.S. is falling behind its rivals in developing such weapons. But before pouring tens of billions of dollars into a new arms race, the Pentagon needs to carefully assess how hypersonics would help meet its strategic goals. It could be cheaper and more effective to simply upgrade existing missiles. What's more, U.S. leaders should not lose sight of how destabilizing hypersonic weapons could become. While hypersonic arms control agreements are hard to imagine right now, they may become necessary in the future. Pentagon planners are, of course, right to carefully monitor the threat posed by hypersonics. The key is to avoid a costly overreaction. Foresight and sensible investment will serve the U.S. better than an unfettered new arms race would. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. Futures starting to turn up just a bit. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daily. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, cloudy, breezy. Some afternoon showers likely. We'll get up to near 70 degrees. Upper 50s, partly sunny and breezy tomorrow. Mix of sun and clouds, low 50s for Saturday. Right now, 47 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Energy stocks dropping with oil prices as investors weigh reports that the Biden administration is considering a massive release of crude from U.S. reserves to fight inflation. Stocks in Europe are set for the first quarterly decline since 2020. Shares in big U.S. energy companies are declining in pre-market trading, while U.S. stock index futures are mostly advancing. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about seven points. Dow futures, that'll change. NASDAQ futures up 66. The DAX in Germany is little changed as well. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 2.33%, and the yield on the two-year, 2.28%. NYMEX crude oil is down 5.3% on $5.68 at $102.18 a barrel. COMEX gold is down half percent or $10.50 at $19.28.50 an ounce. The euro, 1.1109 against the dollar, British pound, 1.3114, and the yen is at 122.04, and Bitcoin this morning. 
morning lower at $47,200, down about two-tenths of a percent. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The White House says Russian President Vladimir Putin has been misinformed by advisors about his military's performance in Ukraine. Meanwhile, Britain's defense ministry says Russia continues to pound northern Ukraine. The chairman of the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol said the panel is considering subpoenaing former President Donald Trump's personal phone records. In the NBA, the next Celtics and Warriors lost. The Wizards won college basketball. Coach Shaheen Holloway is leaving record-setting St. Peter's for Seton Hall. In the NHL, the Rangers beat the Red Wings in OT 5-4. NFL head coach Bruce Arians has decided to retire and is moving into the Buccaneers front office. He's being replaced by defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, the former head coach with the Jets. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And as Karen mentioned, we are getting ready to close the books on the first quarterly decline for stocks in two years. So what's the rest of this year have in store with war, inflation, and a tighter Fed in the foreground? Let's get insights now from Jeff Mortimer, Director of Investment Strategy at BNY Mellon Wealth Management. Jeff, are you looking forward to closing the books on this one? I guess you could say that, right? Uh, markets, unfortunately, don't uh, move in a straight line. And, uh, you know, last year, I, I remind investors, I was I hosted a dinner last night, and uh, it's nice to be out on the road again. But, uh, you know, we're up some 28% on the S&P. Sometimes, you know, markets don't think in calendar years or quarters, um, but certainly um, there has been some major changes. I, I You know, I'm, I am impressed with the market's resiliency in spite of sort of all that has gone on. You know, if we do close the books, you know, down rough numbers among friends, you know, 5% or so, um, quite, uh, you know, I, I give the market credit for its resilience. Certainly, diversification hasn't helped. That's been one of the pain points of the quarter, where bonds typically move up when stocks have moved down historically most of the time. Um, that hasn't happened this quarter. Do you expect that resiliency to continue when we're facing a tighter Fed and uh, some talk of maybe 50 basis point moves at the next meeting, even more 50 basis point moves? You've heard talk of that as well in subsequent meetings. Yeah, we have in our base forecast now uh, to uh, to the next uh, Fed uh, meetings will be 50 basis points apiece. So. Um, if we are projecting that, I always remind investors the market is projecting that too. I want to, re- you know, remind investors the market prices in the most likely outcomes. It's doing that on a regular basis, and so a tighter Fed, I th- you know, I think is becoming priced into markets. I think we're going to have to look out the yield curve and see what happens uh, to two ten spreads. You're going to have to look at inversion of curves. You're going to have to look at sort of what messages of the bond market uh, may be sending, which might be, you know, slower growth going forward. So you might see the stock market kind of rotate into companies that can grow in a slower growth economy. I, I mean, I think that is a is a potential um, as the as the year sort of plays out. Also, we're in a midterm election year. This tends to be the weakest year of a four, of a four year presidential cycle anyway. It tends to be back and loaded. Uh, the uncertainty of the election 
you know, is also an overhang to markets, although I think they're beginning to price in uh, how that may end as well. So I think, you know, you have to buckle up, but our, our advice to clients is to stay at your target allocation. We are not defensive on behalf of our clients. We are, if you're 60-40 or 50-50 from an allocation standpoint, we want you at that target, and we want you using weakness. If um, if you're underneath that target, you should be using weakness to make sure that you true yourself up to that target. I think as you get into late 22 and into 23, it's possible that you're in a lower inflationary environment naturally, um, both sort of what the Fed has because of what the Fed has done, and perhaps supply chains get better, perhaps Omicron or COVID-19 gets sort of put, continues to get put behind us. And you might see yourself in a world in which you have low inflation, decent growth, a Fed which has most of its work behind it, and decent valuations in, in stocks. We still think earnings sort of hold tight this year at around two, 220 on the S&P. And again, multiples may contract a bit. But as long as that those earnings sort of sit underneath markets, I think we should still be in a pretty good place, you know, as we look out 6, 12, or 18 months. All that said, in our last 30 seconds here, Jeff, what's your target for the S&P at the end of the year? So our target is, is right about where we are today. I mean, the, the rally of the past, you know, three, four weeks has been impressive. Our target was is between 43 and 4,700 for the S&P 500 at year end, and then we'll probably take it up, you know, another 10% into next year if sort of what we see, um, as we've talked about earlier, sort of, sort of plays out. And we are looking for the S&P to open the final day of this first quarter at 4602. Jeff, thanks for this. Really appreciated your insights this morning. Jeff Mortimer, Director of Investment Strategy at BNY Mellon Wealth Management. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Law Report, and we get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. A federal judge in Texas ordered Traxell Technologies to reimburse Sprint and Verizon for attorney's fees after Traxell pursued meritless patent suits against the wireless companies. Employers in Washington State will have to include a salary or pay range in their help-wanted ads under a new state law aimed at increasing pay transparency to prevent discrimination. A Planned Parenthood affiliate is challenging Idaho's new anti-abortion law, which prohibits abortions after cardiac activity is detected. The suit says the law violates the state constitution. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to the planned kidnapping of Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020. After 13 days of trial, prosecutors rested their case yesterday against the four men charged in the matter. But more attention was focused outside the courtroom where the FBI raided a home in suburban Detroit in response to threats made against the judge and defense attorneys in the case. Data show federal judges were the target of more than 4,500 threats and inappropriate communications last year. For more on the matter, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Matthew Schneider, former United States attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan and now a partner at Honigman. Online threats were made to the judge and two of the defense attorneys. The FBI conducted a raid in suburban Detroit, but no one was arrested. How unusual are these kinds of threats in the middle of a trial? Well, unfortunately, it's not all that unusual in the middle of any type of criminal trial that's high profile. You'll have threats to the parties involved, and here's the judge and the defense attorneys. 
And the key, I think, is whether or not the jury finds out about this. And it's not really relevant to the trial, to the case at hand. So most likely the jury will never know that in the middle of the trial there were threats made. But, you know, in our day and age, it more and more is happening that that defendants and prosecutors and judges are indeed being threatened. It's kind of a sad commentary on our society. Oftentimes you hear about prosecutors being threatened rather than defense attorneys. Do prosecutors have protection? A certain amount. When I was a prosecutor, I carried a gun and I was a deputy U.S. marshal. At the same time, I was deputized because of threats. And that happens because so many people just take matters into their own hands. But both prosecutors and defense attorneys are always targets. And sometimes for different reasons, the prosecution might be targeted because the defendants or whoever else doesn't like what they're doing. But then the defense attorneys themselves can be targets because people might not like the way they're approaching the case or they think they're not doing a good enough job. So either way, there can be threats. And the judge in this case has been careful about security. He is keeping the jurors' names secret. So do you think that's because of the nature of the case? Yes, and you often see that in very high-profile mafia cases or mob cases or cases with a lot of violence to keep the jurors out of it. So that, that protects the jurors, and it makes them feel better and more comfortable in actually doing the deliberation. And as former U.S. Attorney Matthew Schneider speaking with the Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And again, futures this morning, S&P futures are higher, up seven points. And we're watching crude oil this morning as it falls down 5.9 percent at $101.40. 47 cents a barrel. And Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.